Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. everybody welcome to another episode the nomad strength show ross hillier your host we have a pretty awesome episode for you today i'm joined by christian williams repeat guest uh christian was one of the first five episodes of the podcast ever uh which is pretty cool because it's been a long time since we've caught up and I was really happy to see what he's been up to and and what he's working on he has a, a program called archery strong he is a coach that helps people and archers with shoulder pain and uh, just helping them to feel better, feel stronger so they could become better archers. And that was a lot of what we talked about last time. But this conversation was it took some really cool turns. We talked a lot about really the more intrinsic benefits and and experiences that hunting can provide and some really cool stories that Christian shared with uh, his own hunting experiences and what it meant to him and we go down some pretty cool rabbit holes for what it means for us as humans and as men and that leads into some some conversations about rites of passage for young men and it was just a really fun conversation that uh, took some cool turns so be sure to follow Christian and uh, see what he's doing and and go support him uh, before we get into that if you haven't done so Please leave a review, a five-star review, leave a little message, uh, and uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, it really does help the show continue to grow. And if you haven't also checked out the Patreon, uh, we have a Patreon now for the show. We're doing exclusive content over there, a patron-only podcast episode every week called Unplugged, and uh, some more stuff that's going to be doled out here and rolled out soon. So that's all for right now. Enjoy this conversation with Christian Williams. Okay. We are live and everything is good now with the recording. So here with uh, my man Christian from Archery Strong, uh, repeat guest on the show. Actually, one of the very first episodes we did was... Oh, was it really? Yeah, you were like number three or something like... 
oh, five cool. or one of the first five, um, which is pretty rad. So it's good to catch up, man. How are things going? Yeah. Yeah. Good. I didn't realize that it's, it was towards the beginning when we last talked and it also yeah. must've been, been a little while. Cause I really enjoy tuning into what you're doing and I see many great guests, a lot of different podcasts that you're doing. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's nice to reconvene, especially when, um, just like you, I'm sure you talk to a lot of different people and some conversations and some people you just really connect with, you share a lot of the same interests, viewpoints, and it leads to good conversation. So, uh, yeah. I think I reached out to you this time that said, and said something along the lines of, Hey, you know, we should, should chat to talk about some different things again. So, Catch um, up. yeah, I mean, everything's good. Like yeah. Over a year. So things have, uh, you were mm-hmm. kind of like at a, not a, not a beginning stage, but, a, an earlier mm-hmm. stage in your, in your coaching business at that point. And it yeah. seems like it's done pretty much nothing but continue to grow since then. So what's been, yeah. uh, going, what's been going on with that and how's everything with your coaching going? Everything's been good. Um, I'm sure similar to your process and, and any other coaches out there listening, you know, as the months go by and in this case now, man, I think it'll be about four years. Yeah. It'll be four years of me doing this specific business and, uh, coaching platform in August. And it's cool just to see things develop change. I was actually just telling my wife last night, we were talking about my business and the business that she's going to be doing and, um, saying how I look back when I first started and, uh, comparing what I do now to what I did and offered then. Yeah. It's almost like laughable. Um, not in a, not in a super critical way of, uh, of myself, but just, um, seeing how different things are, seeing how much things progress as I learn more as, um, I'm able to work with more people, trial and error, different things. So, uh, at this point doing really well, uh, kind of on a, I'll say a split type of, um, approach to coaching where I've wanted to implement, of course, uh, the highly personalized, very close, uh, knit process of working with individuals, uh, like I believe you do. And then also having options for the individuals that don't necessarily want that, that one-on-one close knit attention, but they still want the tools. They still want the processes, the protocols, all those things. So, um, I think last spring I, I rolled out a system, um, that has been great. And I, I've been really excited about to essentially try to work with as, as many people as I can, but not, not lose number one quality, but also, uh, try to meet people where they are. Um, cause I, I know that you probably run into meeting different people of different kinds where they want different things, uh, mm-hmm. that can benefit them. And I don't, what I felt like I was running into is, I felt like I was meeting these different people or working with these different people that had different needs and uh, they wanted different amounts of attention and amount amounts of work. So I wanted to be able to serve them in those different ways and not say, you know, well, I only offer X or I can only do Y. Uh, so it's certainly a constant process of adjusting and audibling and, and it's fun. It's, it's been, a, been a good learning experience. What's been the one of the differences when you open it up to more people like that that you've kind of had to work through, like in terms of changing maybe some of your systems that you were 
used to before because I had a conversation actually just this morning. I was grabbing coffee with a friend um, who's a fellow coach, but he works at the university level. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just asking, you know, like the difference is when you do something on your own and you're in charge of everything and this and the steps that you take to grow as a business. And I, was, I, I said almost the same thing you did where you're like, you know, I look back even just six months ago and it seems like a totally different business even then. Yeah, you know, really. It really wasn't. But just even the way that I approach certain things or, or I'm working towards certain things, it's like, well, how did I even get away with that before? Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think probably at the basis of it, I think my approaches have gotten more specific. Uh, where when I, I first started, I really took a, a generalized route, which I think still looking back, I think was the right route to go because, um, you know, I had done a variety of different coaching experiences, a variety of different um like in clinic, uh, physical therapy type, type work, sure. but I hadn't really done a full scale online business on my own and specifically working with the archery population. So I started very general for a couple of general goals for coaching strength training for archers. Um, those being like a performance driven approach for strength, muscular stability, shoulder function, and then a pain relief approach to relief pain. Um, and again, they were, they were fairly general and then figuring out, okay, how with just being a one man team, can I still address those, uh, those beasts, so to speak, the performance and the, the pain relief, but, uh, but do it more specifically, do, do it more in depth, provide more tools, better tools, and, uh, ultimately just encourage consistent and then, um, getting results, of course, to being effective. Right. So the, the main thing is getting more specific. And when you get down to the nuts and bolts of that, that those are things for me that have been further developing video libraries, diving into the research more, um, evaluating what works, what doesn't work with, with archers, um, getting more specific and, and effective with the protocols that I'm using. And, uh, I, I sense it from what I see from you. And I think I'm, I'm going along this path too, but I feel like as a coach, you kind of find your, your groove, so to speak on, on some, some main pillars that are top priorities for you in a, in a training program or a training process. And then you have some necessities, like I said, consistency with clients, communication with clients, those types of things. So, um, it's uh, certainly a lot of work in parts. And I, I will definitely say I don't have them all figured out yet. And I probably right. never will, but you try to get better at the parts that you have figured out and you try to uncover more work in parts that uh, maybe you haven't uh, addressed thoroughly enough or, uh, or addressed at all. So are you looking to keep it just you? operationally or is this uh, something where you're going to have to bring somebody on at some point or expand into a different, yeah. a different realm with it? Yeah. Um, I've thought about that and I am, I'm very, I'll, I'll just use the word picky on how I, or picky with the training I provide, how I work with clients, how I interact with clients. So sure. as much as I could definitely benefit from bringing somebody on, at this point, I think I will keep it um, yeah. 
as myself. And um, I'm definitely going to sacrifice some growth uh, with that approach. But personally, for, for my life, my goals, my family, my business, uh, right now, and I say this right now, it could change right. down the road, but I'm okay with that right now. I, I want to keep things as high quality as possible, as effective as possible, as personal and as real as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that it's certainly possible to achieve those things with bringing somebody on or multiple people on. But uh, for, for my priorities and my desires for what I want for my coaching and for my business, uh, I'm going to keep it just me, uh, for now. Well, and that's like, a, you know, I've, I've talked to quite a few entrepreneurs in different spaces. Right. And one mm-hmm. of the things that, that, you know, there's that limit where you hit that point where you make that decision. Do I do this to scale it, to grow now or, what boundaries am I putting on this? Because you can always just take on more, but it's going to come at the expense of other things. But absolutely. But there's this, there's this other choice that I think a lot of, especially in the coaching world where um, one of the rules that kind of, I was not rules, but one of the suggestions that I was given by a business coach was, you know, if your books are constantly full and you're not going to, bring on somebody and like you're in the space where uh like i've wait list or i'm or i'm I'm at my max capacity now's the time Mm -hmm. to just straight up raise prices like you know a lot of coach and a lot of coaches don't like doing that a lot but at the same time you realize like this is a business that i need to survive like i need the business to survive and the business doesn't survive if i'm toast and burnt out because i'm the only one that is this business you know, so right. if I'm able to give better service and better coaching to maybe fewer clients at a, as a result, like that's just the decision that you've got to make if it's going to come at the yeah. expense of your sanity to a degree. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. So like, because, sure. you know, I know tons of guys that have hit that point where they're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm maxed out. Do I bring somebody on or do I just start raising prices or, or, you know, doing different things to maybe thin out clientele a bit to make it a, still a, a process in a business that I enjoy being a part of. Cause that's going to be the, the dictator of whether or not it's going to be sustainable. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. And, um, you know, I, I think that this would come down to the individual, but personally, um, it, some of my top priorities are my, my relationship with my wife, my future family, um, getting to enjoy my passions is, is a huge one. I, I, feel very strongly that I don't want to make sure I say this right, live, live to work. Uh, or I want to make sure I live to work and not work to live. And I, in my life, I've seen a enough examples of very successful businessmen and entrepreneurs that have grown, grown their businesses to the point where, like you said, it comes at the expense or at the cost of the relationship with their family development of their kids, uh, their ability to, to enjoy things outside of work. And right now, again, at at this point for me, I, I want to keep a very fine line and a very good balance, um, between those two. So when you, and you see a lot of those guys like make that choice consciously to spend more Mm -hmm. time building the business because they want it to be, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the biggest, whatever in the Mm -hmm. world. And like for, for things to reach that level, 
there's there's no way to do it in a quote unquote balanced right. way. Like right. it's the same with any athlete. Like if you're going to try and be a world mm-hmm. champion at something, like you're going to not do anything else but that thing for yeah. a period of time. Like yeah. you can't, you can't do an eight to five deal and be the best in the world at anything. Right. You know? And so, yeah. but, but, but that's the beautiful thing about owning your own operation is like, you can make those rules and decide however you want to do it. Like mm-hmm. there's no, there's no wrong or right way to do it. Like if I want to train certain amount of hours or certain amount of clients and I'm, and I'm doing what I want to do and I'm earning what I I need and, and whatever I've set as that number for myself, like then I'm good, you know, then I don't right. need to do any more than that. So it's, right. uh, it's interesting to see the different approaches like as different different business like you hit a certain point it's like well how are you going to handle this moment what's the and then it's just a matter of setting boundaries and that's something right again in the coaching space i think um a lot of guys struggle with uh, mm-hmm. because you want to help everybody like that's the job right like yeah I, I, yeah I, I don't ever want to say no i want to help as many people as possible but again mm-hmm. it's like well if i'm if i'm so trashed because I, I never say no and I'm, and I'm way overloaded on stuff. Like, is it actually even beneficial to this person at this point? Yeah. You know, or is it more just kind of an ego thing where I'm like, I can, I need to help all these people. Yeah. Like, well, mm-hmm. if it's crap that you're giving them cause you're burnt out and you're toast all the time, then like, it's actually more beneficial for you to not try yeah. and work with this person. So it's always a really interesting, like back and forth within the coaching space where, where that's a conversation that a lot of guys don't want to have, but it's super important mm-hmm. at, at many stages of business. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's very well said. And I think that your comparison to an elite level athlete or someone trying to be the best athlete in the world, uh, the, the biggest business in a certain space. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that, that you, you laid that out well. And some people are on board for that. Like if you've got mm-hmm. a, you know, mm-hmm. I mean like there are people that are married that have, that kind of relationship where they're fully right. aware of, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to be around much cause I'm doing this. And then their, their wife or whatever is like, yeah, okay, do your thing. Mm-hmm. And it's right. like, you just gotta, it's just gotta be an individual decision. But the, yeah. the growth of businesses in that in, in, in coaching, I'm always just so uh, inspired. And then also like, I just love seeing how other coaches are doing their thing just because there's so much opportunity mm-hmm. in it that there's, infinite numbers of ways that you can run a business in the coaching world. And so it's cool to see, uh, like how you can be so hyper specific on a thing like pain in shoulders for archers. Mm -hmm. And that's like going to be my program. And like, that's going to speak to so many people that are like, Mm -hmm. this is the dude, like, you Mm -hmm. know, if this is, and that's kind of the point is to be a, a guy a quote unquote, a guy. Sure. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I got a guy for that. If I, if I'm mm-hmm. a, if I got bow hunter friends that are shoulder shirt, I'm like, I got a guy mm-hmm. I'm gonna send you over to Christian. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> so what are the, some of the things, um, that you've been working on? I mean, outside of, out of the business stuff, like what mm-hmm. kind of things have you been messing around with? I see you're doing a lot of, uh, and and it's one of the realms I want to get into more is doing the traditional yeah. archery stuff. Um, what kind of things have you been learning and messing with um, since you and I last talked? Like what's been kind of going on outside of the business? Yeah, I would I would say that there's probably hmm, there's probably three three big things. The first one 
is the traditional archery mm-hmm. pursuits. Um, I've been bow hunting for a while, while now, and uh, up until two years ago or so, um, I was a compound archer. And I, during the pandemic, ended up picking up a traditional bow because I wanted to try something new. I had the extra time. Um, and man, I have never felt a connection to hunting specifically, but the outdoors in general, uh, until I picked up that traditional bow. And that has just truly been, um, man, I, I almost want to just say life-changing and we can get into that more as we go, but that's been a big focus, uh, shooting most days, almost every day, trying to learn as much as I can refine as much as I can. And there's, there's just so much potential there because you are so limited with a traditional bow. Uh, so that's been the one big thing. The other, uh, big thing I would say is trying to connect. This is, this is going to sound hippie ish, uh, but try to connect with nature as much as possible. Um, I, I've always enjoyed the outdoors, always spent time outside as a kid and as a young adult, but, uh, we, my wife and I moved here to central Pennsylvania, um, almost exactly two years ago. And we're in a very rural area, uh, nearby. There's a lot of public land, game lands, uh, river systems, um, national and state forests. So just a lot, just surrounded by a lot of outdoor opportunity and nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also just around my house and uh, trying to spend as much time there as possible, whether it's just working outside on my computer, uh, whether it's doing habitat projects on my, my small property here around the house um, or taking my new, new hunting dog out for, for hikes and, and just going and adventuring. Um, that's been super re- rewarding, fulfilling and enjoyable. Uh, and so I've really tried to make that a priority in my schedule and in my free time. And then, um, I would say the last thing that, that I've been enjoying doing is, uh, getting more hands-on with, with manual labor type projects with work, work around here. And, uh, the kind of the classic phrase, turning a, a house into a home, uh, has been a lot of fun. I'm sitting here in my barn and I can see out the front entrance and out the side windows where we're in this really pretty area with, we've got a cattle pasture in front of the house, hay field on one side, timber behind me, and then, uh, crop fields on the other side. And, uh, it's just, a almost, I don't want to say, and to steal your phrase a little bit, uh, but almost feels like a little bit like nomadic or a little <laughs> bit like, uh, yeah, like living, living out in, 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 in the world, in nature and yeah. living out in the outdoors, uh, is what it feels like. So doing things with some different woodworking and, uh, just some different projects to, uh, maybe the, a good word for it is like, like homesteading type. Sure type work. Uh, that's been, been fun and rewarding. And that's something that my wife and I have been enjoying doing together and it's great connection with her and just with the the land around us. That's awesome. So let's get in. I want to get yeah. into the, some of the stuff that you had mentioned as far as the, the traditional archery thing, because yeah, one of the things that, uh, that you had said was like the connection through traditional archery into nature into hunting specifically it's something that i've talked about with with a handful of guys and and one of the ones that put it probably 
more eloquently than than most is is my friend Corey Hawk, and uh, ah. he does he he's the the bullier that organic art yeah. is his deal. Um, yes. but to hear him talk about it and just understanding like it's it's actually tapping into something that uh, is very very primal to a degree because it's so yes. old in us and yes. Uh, yes no matter really where you know no matter what your ancestry lineage is i mean that was the weapon for yeah. you know centuries before yeah. there was it really anything else and so the connection that we as as humans have to that especially as it relates to hunting is such mm-hmm. a cool thing and he and you know he was telling me that it really it's hard to explain until you're in it to understand the feeling yeah. that he's talking about. Yeah. And, 100%. Uh, you know, because you still get more of that with a, with a bow, even if it's a compound bow, right? Because you're just, you're mm-hmm. the whole, the whole nature of it is I'm trying to get as close as possible to wild animals to make right. a good shot. Right. So right. it's like one step. Uh, and, and it's funny. Cause I have another friend, Zach, who said, you know, when I started bow hunting, or when I started bow hunting, I started rifle hunting differently. You see, I started rifle hunting like yeah. a bow hunter. You know, I tried to take my rifle That's and cool. try to get inside 80 yards with a rifle. You know, he's like, and mm-hmm. then when I went to traditional archery, I started doing my compound seasons like I would do a traditional archery season. He's like, well, I can make a 50-yard shot with a compound bow, but I want to try and get inside 15 because that's yeah, where you got to cool. be for, you know, traditional recurve or longbow or whatever it is. And so he's like, but there's just like one extra connection into nature when you mm-hmm. get that close. And so it's, it's cool to hear like what that does to people, because I imagine mm-hmm. everybody kind of has a moment where they, where they experience it. And then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I see what, like, I'm, I'm feeling something right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I I think you hit the nail on the nail on the head there. That uh, I think there's two things to me that are really powerful that you you stated very well. In the the first aspect is getting so close. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's something very intimate with and with uh, the animals, the creatures that live around us. That when you are actively pursuing one for the purpose of harvesting food for yourself yeah. or your family. And you get so close that you can you can see you know the 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 different creases of the musculature on the animal, or you can you know see the the, the hair variations on that animal, or you know see the the eyelashes or whatever it might be. Um, there there is something very close there, and um, I had the most rewarding, exhilarating, fulfilling experience that I've ever had hunting. And I'll, I'll even go as far as to say it was one of the coolest experiences of my life uh, was uh, this past season, I was tucked into a, an old fence row on my dad's small farm in Western Pennsylvania. And I've been sh- hunting this property for the past couple of years unsuccessfully, finally made this move to get as, I mean, into the heart of the property, into the heart of where the deer travel. Um, and I had a doe come by at nine yards, a, a, a big mature doe, um, and having her that close drawing back and just watching that lighted knock go, go through the musculature right behind the shoulder, uh, for a quick ethical lethal shot was just, 
was just so powerful. And that's what really spurred, uh, I, I, like I just said a second ago, I have never felt something that exhilarating. And, you know, I've hit, I've hit some, some really big lifts, for instance, in front of big crowds and those were exciting. And I've, you know, hit, hit home runs as a kid and, you know, all friends and team crowd cheering. And, um, you know, I got married and, and a lot of wonderful things. And I know when I have kids, that'll be the best moment of my life. But up until this point, um, as far as really just truly in adrenaline rush and feeling like mm. this, this overwhelming, um, this over overwhelming rush of like, of, of being a human. Uh, I've, I've never felt that. I, I mean, I'm even getting like giddy talking about it. I've, <laughs> I've never felt like something that like that before. So it kind of spurred, I wanted to know, I wanted to understand more deeply. Why did I feel that way? And why am I so driven to repeat that experience? Mm. Um, and so I started, I started reading and thinking and, uh, and trying to gain a deeper understanding of there's something in me. There's, there's, it's not just that, Oh, you know, Christian, you know, really, this is just his thing. He, he really likes it or man, that's, that's a tough challenge to, to do that. It, right. it was way beyond that. So I will be very clear in saying is I don't f- fully understand it yet, but what I have come to is exactly what you said a few minutes ago in that this is something that is very old, very in, and it's ex- an experience that I would venture to say that for centuries and thousands of years, uh, probably almost every man has had an experience of this nature, very cl- or, or very close to it. Sure. Uh, this, this pursuit of a, the most important resource in our lives, which is food, this pursuit to get as close as possible and to, to harvest that food for yourself and your family. And, uh, it's in my mind, as I think about it, coming to this thought that, it is the one thing that every man has needed to do since the beginning of man time. And that is obtain food. And some of that has been done uh, from gathering uh, in, or in mo- more recent years. Some of it has been done for the longest standing way uh, is hunting. And it's that, that very close, that very close, um, that very close adventure of, hunting, whether it's with a bow or with a spear at some point. And, uh, it, it, it really does seem like all the way up until this point that has been ingrained and that has been reinforced because again, it is the, the most important thing, right? You know, food, water, and shelter, of course, uh, and protection, you could say. So, you know, I'm even kind of like searching through my thoughts here, here now as we're talking about it, but but that really long standing necessary primal activity mm-hmm. of going on that pursuit and, and succeeding there is man, it, 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 it was, it was a fire that I, I have never felt before. I think it's funny too. And, and really interesting that like all of those other examples that you gave of those moments where you felt like that, that adrenaline hit or whatever it was, this one was the only one 
where there's literally nobody else around. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/waypoint. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Like this one is ah, like literally really interesting. completely that's alone a, in that scenario. And that's like the, that's most a great intense, thought. the most intense it's ever been for you was when nobody was even there to witness mm. it, you know? And so I that's, wonder if that's, that's really interesting too. Like, cause you, you realize I, you in nature alone, huh. you did something and accomplished something of that very old yeah nature and that maybe heightens that a little bit hmm. knowing that it's like hey i did this by my literally by myself no one's yeah. ever gonna see it like it doesn't matter who was around like nobody was around kind of a thing and that was yeah the, when, you, when you said that that was the first yeah. thing i thought of was that that hmm. point i yeah and i as you say that i think about it and it, to me it it maybe it was one of the most pure experiences i've ever had because i wasn't i wasn't thinking about you know, the person next to me, I, I'm going to interact with them during this, this scenario, or I'm thinking about what other people are, are perceiving because they're watching it from behind me or they're watching it on a camera. There's yeah. no filming, no nothing. Uh, my dad was hunting on a different part of the farm, but uh, like you said, it was, was a scenario where not only was there no one else there, but I'm also, uh, in an atmosphere where I'm completely taking away, taken away from other human presence. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm in a, a gym by myself where I'm still surrounded by some human like things. Uh, I'm, I'm in, in the wild. And, uh, I, I, I'll probably remember my life, but I released that arrow and I was, I was on the ground at nine yards with that doe broadside and I released the arrow. And I watched that lighted knot go behind the shoulder and she took off running and she stopped after about 50 or 60 yards. 
and I'm watching with anticipation with what's going to happen. And she stopped, she looked around and she just fell over. And I, at that instant, at that instant, like I, I immediately dropped to my knees and I, I just, I just put my arms up in the air and I just looked up in the sky and, uh, it's that's all I could do. It was just this yeah. overwhelming, like overwhelming feeling of, of this incredible experience just happened. And it, it finally happened. Uh, and after that, I didn't call anybody. I didn't do anything. I just, I was, I was so, I was so wired and so filled with emotion that I just sat there and I just, I just kind of stared, just looked off into the dusk. I just, I watched the trees. I thought about the moment. I, I, I was looking up into the sky, just feeling, just thinking. Um, and yeah, it, the, the fact that it was, was alone was, I think, really powerful. That, that's a really neat, really neat thought that you had. The cool thing too, when you were even just ex explaining it there, the idea of in those moments right after, like, I don't think, and this is probably more emblematic of where just we are socially in a lot of instances right now, just the need for sharing something with somebody else. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, any random thought, we tend to just like need to tell somebody about it instead of like seeing yeah. and experiencing those things. Like you were saying in those moments right after, like, you didn't call anybody. You didn't like go run around and like go tell or like, you know, go up there take pictures immediately. Like you just sat there and, mm -hmm. and felt it and dealt with it. And, and like those experiences are like the ones that I think, and, and this was like something me and you were messaging about, you know, a little while back that, uh, <laughs> one of those things that should be experienced by, by especially men. Yeah. Um, as as sort of like a and, and i imagine this was in the past just because it was what happened sort of a rite of passage type of thing that you know traditionally was probably for the first time had by boys you know like that moment that you're talking about like we were as 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 humans and as men we were introduced to that very very young right and that still exists now in in families that have hunting as a part of their you know, as a part of their family and what they do, but just by and large, there's so many removed from that, that you, right. you talk about an experience like that. And I'm like, man, how different would so many people be and men be specifically if right. everybody had to have that feeling at some point in like earlier in their lives or even just as, as young men in general, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you, you used a good, a great phrase there that, uh, I think aligns with this topic well is the the thought of uh, a rite of passage where um, from the research that I've done there oh there we go you're good it's counting back down it's a common thing in different cultures and there's a, there's a book it's one of my favorite books uh, it's called Killing Lions and it is Oh, the, the, the last name of the author is Eldridge. Um, but it, it talks about that as men, you know, in many instances where we, where we gain a lot of our confidence from our, our mm. self-esteem from our, uh, our belief that we are capable, that we, we can handle challenge, that we can, uh, endure struggle. 
come comes often in cultures in the past from a rite of passage. And in this book, it talks about uh, I believe it's the the Maasai people, perhaps where. Uh, young men would have to go out and face lions uh, as a rite of passage. And by no means am I, I saying that, you know, that's the only way that, that this happens, but that's just an example. And in this scenario, um, if we think about, think about men up to this point in history, or maybe up until the recent past as it started to get lost, uh, two of the main jobs of, of men were hunting and were, um, were, protecting the the tribe or protecting the group of people. Uh, and in my mind, if we don't have, if, if we don't have those things or if some individuals at this point in, in society or at this point in, in human history, don't have those experiences that are connected to the most uh, important aspects of life, food, protection, et cetera, I, I don't feel that that can be replaced. And I think that there's a tremendous, tremendous missing piece. Um, oh, when we don't have those powerful experiences that are tied to what we have always done and what our DNA has uh, developed to be able to do. Uh, and I will, I will say that, man, I, I feel like I have very difficult time um, really up until a couple years of my life, trying to figure out, you know, and, uh, who am I and, mm. and, and what am I and, and what's my purpose? And there's a lot of answers to that question, but undoubtedly one thing that has really helped me find my way has been connecting with the aspects of life that men have always done mm. physical, physical hardship, hunting, protecting, um, probably building and developing things to, to better, better, um, my life and, and those around me. Yeah. I, I, I'll leave it there and I'll let you dive in. Yeah. It's, it's those experiences too. And to bring it back to the rite of passage part, when we talk about things that are missing now, like there's really, yeah. except in, instances like I mentioned where there's families that are still very much in tune with uh, even just hunting, for example, like if that's the example, there's other avenues, but if, if a hunting is the example, there's usually like uh, a moment where a dad will take a son for the first time. And that's like, Hey, this is, right. this is important. And, and this is why, and you're going to understand why, like that is a very specific experience, but just the oh. general idea of a rite of passage, like is pretty mm -hmm. non-existent especially in, yeah. in the States nowadays, you know, like, yeah. uh, and, and there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Um, but it's interesting to see how differently boys grow up when there isn't one of those mm. moments, because a yes. lot of it is based in like intense struggle. And like you said, mm -hmm. and things, yeah. and, and struggle yeah. and hardship and like going through something that sucks and coming out the other side. And so that's usually something that would happen at a, at a boy's age. And that, I mean, to not sound like the, like the old Clint Eastwood on the porch, like old man. Mm -hmm. Right. But like, it's pretty soft in a lot of yeah. younger generations now. Sure. And I mean, there's an, like, there's no examples of that 
or, or very few examples of that relative to what there have been before the last, you know, 70 to a hundred years. And so it makes me mm-hmm. think like, you know, what kind of things, and it can be specific to your own individual family with your own children, but like, what kind of things are you going to do that move them from like one stage of, you know, boyhood into yeah. the next stage. Right. And yeah. it's, it's interesting to see like how some people take that and, and what kind of things they do, because I, you know, I have, my son's only three, like he just turned three a couple of weeks ago. And so awesome. it's like, you know, still got time before that, but they're like, I'm always thinking of stuff like, well, what kind of, like, how can I put something together that would do that for him? And, right. you know, and, and maybe it's something that I necessarily didn't do, but I want to create that. So then that becomes the thing for his sons, you know, right. and, and move that and begin that process of like re-hardening a little bit of the youth and, you know, in general, like these coming generations, mm-hmm. like there's going to be some stuff going down in the next couple of decades that yeah. are going to require, I mean, just because of what history tells us, right? Like yeah. there's signs all over the place that are saying, civilizations go through certain things and and right we're really at one of those points where like his generation is gonna be dealing with some stuff most likely right and and their generation those like young kids now when they get to teens and 20s like they're gonna have to be the ones that are like the guys back in the 40s like that are the greatest generation that are you know it's just that full circle like you get that those those guys are gonna come back and it's gonna be his generation so like how do we prepare them for that and these kind of experiences and stuff is like always right at the front of my mind on how we would do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's interesting how each generation kind of faces its own, uh, its own challenges. And I think as you look back at the different generations, they're, they're all rooted in a very real, real hardship and real struggle, you know, whether it was, whether it was, um, you know, fighting in a, a certain war or a world war or whether it was um, a famine, right, for an agricultural area or whether it was um, a particularly difficult uh, place and time to live due to either predators or prey populations that you were hunting or, um, or avoiding, whatever it might be. So uh, I, I think that you're right that that rite of passage is not only very important, uh, but it can, it can look different, but I think above all, it's, it's very necessary. And it's more just about introducing the struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, a friend of mine who I've had on, uh, had on the podcast, I, I believe last summer, probably around this time actually, but he's one of the, he's the director of strength and conditioning for the football team at university Mm -hmm. of South Carolina. Uh, Luke day, is his name, but he has a, a separate kind of media company where one of the things that his, his phrase is struggle. Well, mm, I like that. Yeah. And, and he talks about it a ton as it relates to raising, cause he's got sons and how they, you know, they're young ish. I think his older is like 10, 11, 12. So I like, kind of like right at that age, um, where they, you know, the reason why we do things that suck, like, isn't just to do things that suck. Like there's a reason there's purpose. Yeah. Yes. There's a reason to do it and push through it so that you can learn something through that struggling. So struggle well with it because it's mm-hmm. going to make a difference on the other side. Um, but yeah. it, the way that he talks about it is so cool. Cause that's like kind of what we're talking about where it's, and I think, cause a lot of, a lot of guys will be like, well, I can just like, you know, 
I can be real hard on him and be a, a an ass and then like make things really hard and, and do But it's like, if you're doing that just to do that, that's not actually solving yeah. the, the problem or, or doing the thing that we need it to do. Like there's gotta be a purpose yeah. for it, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's certainly purpose and struggle, but there can definitely be struggle without a purpose if you're not looking for that purpose or you're not intentional about that purpose. Yeah. So yeah, it. I mean, um, you could, you could look at training like that every single day. You know, you could say, man, this is just training and lifting heavy stuff. It stinks. And it's just something I have to do because I have to do it. Or you think, okay, right. This training, it's, it sucks. It's tough, but, um, I'm, I'm able to learn how to, to push forward in the face of, mm-hmm. uh, resistance. I'm able to, uh, make sure that I'm consistent despite the way I feel on certain days. I can make sure that I, uh, am, am training optimally so that I'm strengthening myself for the tasks that I'm going to face in my daily life, my job, whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, that, yeah. that struggle is necessary and the purpose, understanding the purpose and, and seeking the purpose too. I'm sure it makes you after having like that specific experience too, like it's, it, it, it maybe it's a bad analogy, but it's probably the most accurate analogy. If I think about it, it's probably a bit like a drug, you know what I mean? Where, uh, it gives you such an intense, like you were, you were describing, mm-hmm. like it gives you such an intense response to it that you're like, yeah. how do I get that again? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it becomes yeah. like, what do I need to do? Like, how do I chase that again? And, uh, and that could even, you know, to, to further the drug analogy that could go South, like, <laughs> like drugs do if, if it, the person if the whole reason is just the chasing of that feeling, yeah. that's, you know, right. But to bring it back to those purposes, but I imagine it's like, you have that experience and you're like, wow, that I need to go experience that again. Like, how does that change? How did that change your preparation? Like leading into this season after having that experience last year, like did that change how you approach what you're going into this coming season? A hundred percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. Um, I very much so now in my pursuit of hunting, I am hunting to hunt. And I'll, I'll explain that because it, it sounds oversimplified and, and kind of dull and empty. Uh, but uh, uh, the way that I see hunting going a lot now is, you know, this idea of harvesting uh, uh mature, very sought after animal, right? A big buck, or, um, it is hunting for the purpose of put your phrase on it. Such, such as uh, thinking off the top of my head, I see a new development of hunting for, um, the purpose of just either being challenged or, uh, trying to be the the best at something, trying to be the the, the most consistent, you know, elk hunter, whatever it is. Um, to me now I am hunting for the, the purpose of what hunting has always been. And that is to obtain, to connect with this, this pursuit that we have always done. And the more that I do it, the more that I feel it that, I cannot leave out of my life because I, I feel that it is so, it is so a part of every person that has come before me 
that it is almost like a necessity to me. Like I view personally, I view hunting uh, for the purpose of, of being a hunter and, and obtaining food as almost integral as, uh, as like human connection, right? Uh, I, I think that just about everybody needs human connection. We are, we are social, social creatures, social beings, right? Um, so I think that you cannot, or you cannot take away connecting with other humans. Um, I think that you can also, you, you can also not take away human movement and using your body. We've, we've always used our body. We've always done that have rewarding to us. And I think that you always were, we are always going to need to use and move our bodies, no matter, no matter how convenient and comfortable this world gets. And I personally, I have put hunting into that, uh, similar realm, uh, because it has, it, that we have always done and we have we have grown and developed to do so i circling back to your question i am no longer uh very concerned about finding and harvesting a, a specific buck or sure. um you know uh trying to trying to hunt and successfully kill a, a certain species or a broad uh, list of animals sure. um those things may, those things will come as a byproduct and they're great things. Uh, and I think that they're admirable things and good things, but it is just the purest experience of, of going into nature, being involved with the animal, being involved with the landscape and figuring out how can I be a part of this and how can I be a successful part of this and putting the label of success as having an experience that allows me to connect with what I feel is, is ingrained in me and, and wired in me. It's, and I've, and I've heard sentiment like that from guys specifically who take up traditional archery. And I think yeah. that's, that probably goes back to like what we've been talking about this whole time. Like that just really engulfs you in that world more so than a lot of other methods because of yeah. the nature of what it is like yeah if yeah. you don't have to be within 15 yards to get a good shot off most of us would you know in in any given situation prefer to take the one that we don't have to do that kind of work for. i mean that's just human nature like sure what's what's sure. the way that we can do this the most efficiently and yeah efficient and, yep. and if we're being honest like the most efficient way is from a couple hundred yards away with a rifle with a rifle absolutely there's mm -hmm. it's it's the the best way to do it without having to potentially get too close and and, and chase something off uh it happens mm -hmm. really quick if you're good if you're a good shot and you practice you know what i'm saying like everything else but right um that that extra step um and it's not to say that one is better than the other because no it's all the same no pursuit no um yeah but the step that a lot of guys will take when they get into the traditional world like i i've talked to several and like, there's just something that like changes a little bit in them yeah. when they do that. And it's, and it's a lot of the same stuff that you're talking about. And it becomes more about like, it's how, and, and then they'll almost turn it into like a game with themselves out of nature. Like, like a buddy of mine, I mentioned earlier, like he'll go out, like, how close can I get? Can I get close enough to like yeah. touch the thing if I wanted, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a, and it's more of a personal showcase to themselves, mm -hmm. like. I can do this. Like I can get yeah. 
is like, I'm this good of a hunter. I can get as close as I want. And like, sure. you know, and, and it becomes fun. Like it becomes, you enjoy doing these things, mm -hmm. uh, in the outdoors and it just deepens that connection. And so that's why like, yeah, this will be my, so this will be my first season taking a bow out, uh, awesome. this coming fall. Awesome. So I'm, Great for I'm, you. Yeah. I'm pumped about that. And so, uh, yeah. I've, been, I've been practicing with, uh, this, this old compound that I have that was a hand-me-down one and, nice. uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't even think they make the model anymore. It's an old Hoyt. I think it's called a Montega and it's like, oh, cool. like 15 or 16 years old. It was my, one of my, my friend's older brother's old bow. And I was, cool. when I was getting into it, like a couple years ago, he's like, yeah, dude, just take this one. I've got like three others. I'm like, just take this one. And so I've been shooting, nice. the, shooting the heck out of that. But already I'm like, I like, I'm talking to you. I talked to. Corey and then my friend Brandon and they're like getting into this traditional world. And I'm like, man, I already want to just experience that. Like, yeah. and so it's, it's just one of those things that I'm, I'm so fascinated by. And I'm glad that we, we spent so much time talking about it because it's cool yeah. to hear how those perspectives like affect people and those experiences affect yeah. people in those moments. Yeah. And I, I, you're, you're at an awesome starting point. I'm so excited for you to, to have your experiences in the woods and have your experiences as a, as a hunter that's learning and growing, it's, uh, it's just absolutely awesome. And I, I, I think it's really important to me that I say that I don't think it's, it's not just that picking up a certain weapon directly equates to, um, having a certain perspective or, or being a certain type of hunter. I don't, I don't sure. want it to sound like that. I don't want to give that impression. I think it's the nature of what a weapon requires that, that kind of makes you think, uh, makes you think differently and leads you to different conclusions where I went on a very, I think typical of, of modern day, a very typical progression of hunting where I started hunting as a rifle hunter when I was a kid as really, as soon as I could hunt, my dad took me and I'm so blessed for that. Um, and I liked it. I enjoyed it, but it did not stick. I, I did not think about it throughout the year. I did not get super fired up to go. I liked it and it intrigued me, but there was not a fire there. So that introduced me. And I think it was because, it, you know, I, I didn't know much about where I was going hunting. I didn't know much about the plan. I was told, hey, you're going to go sit here. You're going to have your rifle. If you see X, Y, or Z type of deer, then you can make a shot if it's safe. And then I, I, years later, got into to archery hunting with a compound bow. And man, that really like the, the, the world of hunting and the aspects of hunting and what it meant to me and uh, what it meant as, as a uh, pursuit to do that really fired me up. Yeah. And I started to discover these things as, uh, you know, this challenge that, you know, we've been doing for a long time. I, we've been hunting with a bow and arrow for a long time and it, it, really intrigues me and it, it really rewards me and fulfills me in a way that I hadn't felt before. And then when I moved to a, hunting with a traditional bow, it became just so, so intimate with everything that comes into play with needing to get as close to an animal as you, you were talking about when it comes to cover and, you know, uh, your sense, uh, and your approach in your movements, your slow movements, your, your, your shot opportunities, the, the foliage and how, uh, how the type of foliage around you affects you. Uh, I, I primarily started hunting off of the grounds to be on eye level um, and to be even closer. 
opposed to being elevated in a tree. And that has pushed me even further to, to, to deeper conclusions about what is, what is this thing and, and, and why, why is it so, why does it, it just grasp me at my, my deepest levels um, as something that is more rewarding than uh, nearly anything I've done. And um, so I say that because I think it's just the nature of the style of hunting Sure. That leads you into these deeper understandings. And it's not just, you know, I, I by no means do I feel that traditional archery is the best way uh, or is it the, the pinnacle or anything like that. I just feel like the, the nature of it has has brought me to think more. Um, I'll, I'll give it to uh, I know that you're tied in with them. I, lo- I love uh, Robbie uh, over at mm. Blood Origins. Yeah. And uh, and he, he says, I want to make you think I want to make you think. And that's a lot of what uh, I've, I've been doing this past year is thinking and asking why. Why do I feel this way? Why is this the way it is? Why does this feel this way? Um, so it's, it's, I think it's the same journey that every, most every other person and every other man is on. Uh, and that's to understand more, to grow more. Uh, and, and ultimately, I think it leads you to becoming the the best version of yourself. Uh, and I think it helps you get to a point where you can uncover as many things about yourself as you can, good or bad. And then that's where you can take steps to, to grow and and find that potential. And I'm, I'm, you know, early on in the journey, I'm young, uh, but it's, it's challenging and rewarding every day for sure. And it's, and it's just something that's never ending as well. It's, it's a, like, there's no finish line yeah. on, no. on any of this. And so it's something that mm-hmm. you'll, it, you'll continue to learn and grow as often and for as long yeah. as you continue to go out there and like spend mm-hmm. time and learn things. Like there are guys that I know that have bow hunted for 40 years. And every time they go out, they'll be like, I, I've learned something new yeah. today that, and I've been doing this like twice as long as I've been alive, you know? And so, yeah. or, or, you know, and so there's things like that where it's, um, it's just never ending. And I think that's part of the reason that it's so alluring to a lot of guys too, is there isn't a, okay, I'm done. Like you're always going to be growing through this and just continue to get better and better and better forever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Love it, man. Well, I think that was pretty, that's a pretty good spot to kind of, um, yeah. To wrap it up. I, I appreciate you Absolutely. coming back on, man. It was fun to catch up yeah. and uh, we got into some really cool stuff. So I'm glad that we made the time and, and thank you for making the time to, to hop back on. Where is, uh, with, with all your coaching yeah. stuff, um, where can people find, find you and, and get in touch if they're, if they're an archer that needs some, some training? Sure. I am at archerystrong.com. So that's archerystrong.com, all one word. Uh, and then archery.strong on Instagram is primarily where uh, I'm putting out uh, information and then a variety of uh, different podcasts here and there uh, come out. So I, I thank you, Ross, for your time. I always enjoy talking with you. And I think I had mentioned this on the messages we were going back and forth, but I just I was like, man, I've been thinking, I've been thinking a lot and, and coming to some different, um, conclusions. And, uh, I just, I want to talk through these and, and yeah. I'm, I really enjoyed doing that with you. You had some really cool perspective on that. And, uh, I hope that as you dive into your first archery season, that 
um, you're, or I know you will, I know about, you know, the experience and, and the feelings of it. Uh, and it's going to be cool. It's, it, I'm excited for you and I'm sure you're excited too. So yeah, I, I tell you to soak up everything that you can. There's, there's no, no such thing to me as a, a bad hunt. Uh, and, and it's not in the cliche of, you know, a bad day of hunting is a better than a good day at work. It's, it's the, it's that anytime you go out in the woods, you're going to learn, you're yeah. going to be in the midst of the natural world. And to me, that's a, that's a victory. And that has potential to be a, a great day in a positive addition, uh, to, to your week or to your life. So, um, it's, it's awesome. And anybody out there, uh, that's listening and maybe isn't, isn't a hunter is not hunted, has not even thought, th thought about hunting. Um, there's so many, so many valuable things that it can add to your life, uh, beyond what I talk about with, with food and the challenge of it. But, uh, just as what I, I view training as a, a platform to experience a lot of great character growth and learning experiences and hunting is a tremendous example of that as well. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you again, bud. I appreciate yeah. you making thank time. Thank you. We'll catch up. Yeah, thank you, Ross. <laughs>